0: Joining me today is my guest, Matt Holmes. Matt is founder of Handshaken. It's a company that educates aspiring entrepreneurs on the best practices of networking and personal branding. So, Matt, welcome to Accelerate. Hey, thanks, Andy. <laughs> Glad to be here. Yeah, so take a minute, introduce yourself, and maybe tell us how you got your start uh, in the sort of networking business, you know, teaching people how to network.
1: Yeah. So, um, hello, listeners, and thanks for tuning in. Uh, my name is Matt Handshaking Holmes, and um, <laughs> it's, like you, it's got, like you got into character there, from Matt Handshaking Holmes. <laughs> I put on my like uh, I'd say handshaking hat, but maybe handshaking glove would be more more accurate. <laughs> um, anyway, I got into this business after my first startup in real estate. Um, we bought single family homes here in Denver, Colorado, where I'm still based and had a good time. Um, eventually built a profitable company and grew to actually hate it. So I sold off most of my real estate and didn't really know what was next. I just knew that I was going to connect with the people that I really looked up to and, and um, kind of spend time interviewing the people that I wanted to be like. They had businesses that I wanted to grow a business into, but I didn't really know what was next for me. So like
0: like who, who are these people that you looked up to?
1: um, The first, the first guests were just friends that I had met who had had some success along, you know, the past few years while I was doing real estate. And um, eventually after we kind of got going and got our processes down, we started interviewing entrepreneurs with hundreds of employees instead of just a dozen, all the way up to venture capital, venture capitalists, billionaires, and members of Congress. Very cool. So what'd you learn? So I learned that that number one, asking to interview someone about their success is a shortcut when you're networking. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, you know, podcast hosts like yourself and and uh, lots of our friends know that, Andy, but for the aspiring entrepreneur just starting out, it's a really powerful way to really build your personal brand and credibility online. Because when you're getting started, there's not much content about you being an entrepreneur. And the faster you can make that content, the faster you're going to establish credibility even before you've quit your full-time job to, to launch your startup. And, um, and by doing this, I learned that even outside side of the video series, I found a lot of tools and um, I found a lot of methods of networking in person with people to really get meeting, meetings by reaching out cold to billionaires versus incentivizing someone to refer you to someone they look up to rather than someone that, um, that they don't hold in their highest regard.
0: Well, so, and, so give an example, or a couple examples of people you serve cold outreach to that, that uh, were guests on your, your interview series. Yeah. So
1: my favorite one is Jeff Hoffman, who's the billionaire founder of Priceline.com. And I found him on LinkedIn and... Loved what he was up to. Really wanted to ask him about his story. I was curious on how he networked and um, kind of how his community and personal network changed along his journey of launching Priceline. Mm-hmm. And um, but I didn't have a warm introduction to him. I'd gotten pretty good with getting a few other billionaires on the video series by either meeting them in person or knowing someone who had some form of connection to them. But I didn't with Jeff. So I just shot him a cold LinkedIn message. And then followed up with a second one and got a response. And he said, of course, Matt, I'll, I'm happy to sit down with you. Yep. And um, eventually we had our handshaking interview when he was in town in Denver. And I asked him, Jeff, why did, why did a cold LinkedIn message work? And he said, Matt, you have a strong personal brand. Within a, a few seconds, I could see who you were in your videos. And you had, blo- you had blog posts about relevant content that I was interested in. And that's when it clicked for me, Andy. And I realized I need to stop interviewing all these people and help other people build their personal brand so they can get cold meetings with investors and billionaires and and
0: um, high net worth clients. Yeah, prospective customers, the whole whole range of people. So uh, well, let's sort of start breaking that down because you know, networking, personal branding, I mean these, these words unfortunately sort of verging on the edge of cliche these days because you know I think that people use them so loosely so define that for me what I mean, in your mind what is a personal brand what's it mean to network and we'll start from there
1: yeah so with personal brand I'll start with that one and then we can talk about what networking means nowadays in 2016 and 17 um, with personal brand I, I really take I think that's what you look like online or kind of how you come across at an in-person event. It's, it's both, and it's how people talk about you in person, or it's down to the links or the blog posts that they choose to share with their friends about you. It's a lot of different things, and it's big. It's not just one. It's not how many followers you have on Twitter, although that might play into it. So um, you know, some people say personal brand. Some people say credibility. Some people say reputation, and I think it all is in a similar space.
0: Well, you have to be conscious and deliberate about your your brand. I mean, the reputation is going to, sort of, let's say, is going to be following that, or your credibility and trust and so on. So, what are the sort of basic elements, you know, for people listening to this, let's start with sales reps that are listening to this, who may also be, at some point, aspiring entrepreneurs, but really, irrespective of what they plan to do, the personal brand is really, really important these days. So, what what's the base layer that people need to think about? <laughs>
1: I think the number one most important thing, and base layer to any personal brand, should be transparency and authenticity. For for the sales people out there that have a hobby or interest, talk about it online a little bit. If you can use something personal to connect with your professional contacts, that's one of the most powerful ways to build um, rapport with them. And uh, of course, it takes a lot. Talk
0: about something other than
1: work. Exactly. And um, if you can, you know, kind of bring your professional network a little closer to your personal life, you're going to be a little bit more vulnerable and a little bit more open with with your interests. And when you can relate on both the professional and personal, that's going to make them a much warmer lead.
0: Okay, so when Jeff Hoffman was looking at your, your LinkedIn profile or your website, he saw your video interviews you had done. What else did he see?
1: I think because I reached out to him on LinkedIn, he looked at my most recent blog posts that I had posted on LinkedIn. So that was because that was the first thing readily available to him, where on the videos, he, he might have had to click a little bit. But I'm honestly not sure of the exact path that he took, and that would be an important question because then I'd ask myself, well, is that the same route that everyone else on LinkedIn is taking? But again, personal brand's a big thing, that uh, not, not just one specific route that someone uses to research you.
0: Okay, but just to again get back to this idea of a base layer is that because i this is how I encourage people to think about it is is regardless what field you're in, whether you're let's say an entrepreneur as you talked about or a sales rep or a sales manager on a real entrepreneur existing entrepreneur, people look at you online first and foremost before they talk to you in some cases or if you if you've done a cold outreach to them. Let's say on a phone call, maybe they'll talk to you. But if it's a cold outreach on email, they're going to sit and spend a few minutes and look you up. Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, so now I see what you're asking. The foundation, the online foundation of a personal brand, without a doubt, is your own personal website. And I'll tell you why. Of course, it's important to look good on Twitter and LinkedIn and be active and have recent content there. But at the end of the day, your Twitter profile is Twitter's real estate, and they own it. You can't have an email pop up On your Twitter account because that's their real estate. But if you have your own website, that's your own real estate. That's the epitome of what you want to be driving all traffic to. And all of their social networks are just a a place for you to take traffic from those places and drive them to your personal website where you can really nurture them you can take them you can give them free gifts with it that email pop up you can offer them more information on kind of what you were doing in the past you can offer them more information on what you're doing this week and you you can have better control of what you're showing people online
0: but if you're a rep employed by a company you're not going to direct people to a personal website so what do you really need to focus on in terms of your own personal brand, the foundation layer within your social profiles? Because it really is where customers will start to look for you. I think so, but you'd be surprised how easily it is to get a personal website to the top. And I'm
1: not sure of exactly what sales organizations, but I do think it is good for, for your team to have individual strong personal brands too. Um, I'd, I'd want to ask you, though, if I were to answer your question, what social network should we kind of start and look into a little bit?
0: You're asking me that question? Yeah. Huh? I thought this was my show. Um, <laughs> so, well, I, mean, I think if you're in sales, LinkedIn is the place you start. I mean, that, yeah, for a sales rep, if you're that is your personal website. I mean, this is this is where people you connect with through business are going to start to look for you, and you personally, right? I mean, you're you're an employee of a company, you'll yeah, look at the company website. But then, if you've reached out to somebody, let's say, you know, sent somebody a cold email, and they were intrigued, and they're wondering whether they should reply they're going to look you up on LinkedIn first.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think LinkedIn's a very powerful one. And there's all kinds of exciting plugins that we can talk about, too, that really allow you to use it more efficiently. Such as? Um, Conspire.com is my favorite. And uh, if I were to pull you up, Andy, on LinkedIn, I use the Conspire add-on for Chrome. And what I'm going to see right below your recent updates, or your, your title... It's who we both email, so I think we both know Jessica Rose with Interview Connections. We'd we'd both talk to her a little bit. It, you'd probably see that I email her two out of three. They have bars that show how often I email with her and how often you email with her. So on mine, you'd see like a yellow, a two out of three Wi-Fi signal looking thing, mm-hmm. and on yours, I might see you know either one or three bars depending on how much you email with her, because LinkedIn is powerful to see. Who you have second degree connections with? If you add someone and you see who you know in common, but nowadays you don't know how close they are, and Conspire's the trick to see if you if you email the same people and how often you email those people.
0: So that would work if both people were using Gmail.
1: Yes. So it's it's a the way Conspire works is I would sign in with my Gmail, and therefore everyone that I've emailed it, mm-hmm. it has that data. Now even if you haven't signed into conspire, it knows how much I email you. And then if Jessica signs in, it also knows how much she emails you. So we can still gather that information. Although, as you can guess, if a lot of people have not signed in with it, it might not work. So it's, it's a newer tool, but you definitely want to be one of the first ones using it. So you're the first one with that information.
0: Okay. So what are some other tools
1: you're using? Another one for really higher caliber guests or people that I really don't know how to even start to get a warm introduction with them is AnimailFinder.com. And this isn't one that's an add-on to LinkedIn, but it it does complement it in a great way. Um, Once you find their email, usually you can search for them on LinkedIn or or whatnot. It's it's great for cold email outreach. And AnimailFinder.com allows you to find anyone's email address if you know their full name and a domain name associated with them. So I think I used it to find Mark Cuban's email address. I knew his name, obviously, and I knew he owned... DallasMavs.com because mm-hmm. he's the uh, let's see a self-proclaimed outspoken owner of the Dallas Mavericks.
0: <laughs> and not only self-proclaimed he is. So yes. yeah.
1: Yeah, he is. And um, so that's a really powerful tool for for cold emails if you if you don't have someone's email. And we actually we use our virtual assistants to get long lists of you know I can I'll forward our assistants a forty under forty. Uh, Forbes article, mm-hmm. and they'll go and find the domains and names and gather the emails that they can, uh, including the first, second, and third best emails um, that EmailFinder.com provides you with.
0: So okay, great, great tip. Any others on that?
1: I got, I got one more. Yes, and this one's more basic. It's not as next level and is. Uh, I think it's less stalking. It's more convenience. It's called Reportive, mm-hmm. which is an add-on. So you, so you've heard of it, right, Andy? Yes. Yeah, I've used yeah. And for our listeners who haven't heard of Reportive, it's a add-on to your Gmail where you simply hover over an email address with your mouse, and if there's a LinkedIn profile. Uh linked with that email, it's going to show you in a neat clean sidebar, their LinkedIn title, uh, if they have a Twitter handle, and it'll even show you a few mutual connections right there within Gmail. And that's a it's a powerful tool because it's just it puts the information at your fingertips that's already out there.
0: Yeah, it's a good tool, I think people really should almost be using it as a routine basis. And they agreed. Weren't they acquired by somebody? I can't remember.
1: I haven't followed them in a few okay. months. All
0: right. So, Report of Good. Uh, I'd not heard of conspire.com, but definitely will check that out. And you talk about anymailfinder.com. So, um, all right. So, we've talked about personal brand, LinkedIn. Perfect your profile, right? Start with that. And it, not to get too basic, but it's amazing how many times I'm still getting connection requests from people that don't have profile pictures and LinkedIn. Yeah. I, I don't accept any of them, just FYI. And so if you're thinking from your a sales rep perspective or an aspiring <laughs> entrepreneur trying to make connections with people, it could be important for your business, and you don't have a good picture, especially one that doesn't look like you took it yourself, um, that's problematic. They start the basics. I mean, the basics really are important. If you have misspellings, if, you're, if your grammar isn't good, in uh, your summaries and so on, it all creates problems. Agreed. It it drives me a little crazy when
1: someone doesn't capitalize their name too. And you know, I'm just one opinion, but capitalize your name, definitely, Andy. I think when I when we saw each other last at Podcast Movement in Chicago, out of all the action items that I had interviewing, um, just a, just just under a dozen guests, there the number one action item that I thought was the most basic but important one for personal brand was get some professional photos taken and use them on all your profiles. It seems so basic, but just to add to your point,
0: that is, having a picture is very important. Yeah, I mean, Snapchat's an obvious exception to that, but, <laughs> but for LinkedIn and you know, Twitter and places, especially those profiles where you can have you know top graphics and so on, pay some attention to that. I mean it's just we're talking about you know how you differentiate yourself when you reach out to make connections and network. People have a choice about how they spend their time and you know they're going to evaluate you based on this first perceptions based on just looking at your profile. So why why squander that opportunity? Agreed. Agreed. All right, so good profile picture, excellent. Good words, words matter. Make sure you pay attention to the words. Um, the other thing I would say for guests, also for sales reps is on your profile, and I would say this is true of to a degree with the aspiring entrepreneurs when you try to make connections, is don't put on the bottom that you're looking for opportunities, you know, like new jobs and so on and so forth. That's always sort of a a bad sign.
1: Yeah. Yeah, agreed. It's better to be, uh, you know, paying attention to the other person's needs first. Or if you are making an ask, if it's really narrow and specific. But again, an ask, a cold ask, is always harder than a
0: cold opportunity to help someone. Yeah, well, just on your profile that you're committed to what you're doing.
1: That's, yeah, that's exactly. what people
0: want. They, you know, if they don't. If they think you're just, you know, using LinkedIn and as an opportunity to look for the next opportunity for yourself, then that affects your credibility. So. You say there are three sort of signs that that people suck at networking. Um, you know, they don't do it regularly. You always hang out with people you know, and you don't do it online. So let's let's break that down and, and share with people what they should be doing differently relative about networking. So the first one is you don't do it regularly. I mean, what what does regular mean? Regular, I think, for to keep it the most basic, once a month you're attending
1: an in person networking event relevant to what you're pursuing in your career right now. Once a month, at a minimum. That's that's the minimum you gotta, and that's under the assumption that you're connecting with at least three people at that event. I think that's a good safe rule of thumb. It's not going to cost you that much time. It's going to make sure you're not missing any big opportunities that are screaming out there, and um, that that counts.
0: Well, let's let's okay. Let's talk about that. So yeah, you definitely want to set goals for a networking event. You're not just you just don't say my goal is to go satisfy the requirement to go to a networking event, and I can check that off my box. But instead, you have to have a goal for what you want to accomplish. You're investing the time to go there. What do you want to accomplish?
1: Exactly. And that's, that's where it's hard to put an ROI on networking, unless you can attach it to a number. If you're an entrepreneur fundraising, you're going to want to you know, focus your networking on you know, closing uh, meetings with investors and uh, kind of finding the best fit of an investor. So you and then,
0: have goals set that say, I need to meet so many people.
1: Yes, and a specific type of person. You, you got to put numbers to what you're trying to measure. You know? So for the, your salespersons that are listening, they've got to put quotas. You know, They can plug their quotas in there on how much are they looking to close or how quickly are they looking to close it. But either way, don't, don't put too many numbers up there, but at least pick three things to measure. And that's how you can look at the performance of your networking. Yeah, and so, of course,
0: yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but I mean, as you talked about, is so if you're going to part of your goal then for going to a networking event is, yeah, I want to make three contacts with people that fit my ideal client profile or fit a specific profile.
1: Exactly, and you might wonder to yourself, well, what if they're only kind of in that profile? But unless you're measuring that, just just keep moving along and focus on on measuring your success with numbers, even when it comes to networking. And then we could also talk about you know kind of online networking versus you know going to that meetup group in- person mm-hmm. networking because okay. those are also two kind of different games
0: but um, well so that- give us some goals for online networking again frequency and and what are realistic goals people should set? Yeah, so I think the online networking can be really intimidating
1: because there's so much out there. You know, you can measure the viewership of your blog, or you can measure if you just tweeted one influencer per week. You could measure how many email responses you're getting from your mailing list. Um, there's a lot of different things to measure, and the most important thing is again, break it down to something really simple. Um, don't reach out to everyone on all the social profiles because that's actually impossible. But if you just set a goal to, you know, try to tweet. One more prospective lead per week, that's suddenly very doable. Well, like, what, what, do you, what do you mean by tweet a prospective lead? So I guess in my shoes, when I was interviewing these videos, I'd, I'd get on Twitter. Not, mo- not much structure. I'll be honest. I wasn't measuring it back then. But I would get on Twitter and tweet people who I wanted to interview, and I'd do that regularly. And I kept pushing notifications on my phone for Twitter And I kind of ignored some of the others. So Instagram, I wasn't paying as much attention to. And I was focused on measuring or uh, (laughs) having a feel for since I wasn't measuring it explicitly, but definitely staying in the loop with how many of them actually responded back. And that was a good way for me to get a feel on if the online networking by using Twitter – helped me score interviews with high-caliber guests, or if it was more sticking to Colorado entrepreneurs and in-person events. Mm-hmm. And I didn't measure it explicitly to write a report on it, but I got a feel. And both can yield success. And with online, you have a, a greater reach, of course.
0: Sure. Well, in terms of the number of people you can reach out to, absolutely. So how did you target? Who are you going to network with through Twitter? Yeah, I think
1: um, when we were looking at what qualifies someone to be a guest on my video series. Um, it was a just a set of guidelines that we that were discoverable. Obviously, they needed to have a strong personal brand. They needed to have some form of entrepreneurial success. Uh, they needed to be accessible in person because we did in-person interviews. So if they're in a very small city, it's less likely that we'll be able to get them on the show soon. But if they're in a New York or Boston, San Francisco, um, we'll be able to, to interview them a little faster. And um, then we, I could just kind of stay in the loop with who actually responded and who didn't. And the tricky thing with Twitter was not it's not always the same person responding, which, which leads us to another interesting thing we could talk about, which is Snapchat. Because when, when I kind of moved over to Snapchat and started trying to find people that I wanted to interview on Snapchat, that was very different because it's them holding and recording a video. It's definitely them. It's not their branding manager, mm-hmm. you know. So I found that interesting, but... Well, so what happened to your success rate when you started doing that? Well, with Snapchat, when I was using it to interview guests, it was a lot harder to find that. Like, I, I added Pat Flynn,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it turns out that's not Pat Flynn. They never post any content. <laughs> it's it's a... Uh, no, oh, I don't know his handle, but it's Pat Flynn... Uh, and then he has like two numbers. Some, some other Pat Flint, not the one you wanted. Yes, exactly. And uh, however, Gary Vaynerchuk was, is very explicit and promotes his Snapchat. And I was able to have a couple conversations with him on Snapchat when he never responded via email. So that, that's interesting because even when I met him in person, he said, shoot me an email, which I had already been doing, which didn't work. But Snapchat did work, and it's powerful, too. He can see me for who I am. He can see if I shaved my beard today or not. He can see what I'm wearing in my office in the background, where on email, it's a little bit less formal. So I think it's it's a good thing for salespersons and entrepreneurs to really adopt cutting-edge technologies that allow you to convey more information, because the more information someone has on you, typically the more warm a lead they're going to be, the more open they're going to be to talking to you. Where it's like, you know, if a CenturyLink follows you on Twitter and tweets you saying, call this 1-800 number, that doesn't feel personal at all.
0: Right, so, but the Snapchat is, for certain types of sales, is okay. I was thinking, okay, a lot of business-to-business sales reps that, that listen to the show, Yeah, you know, are their customers really using Snapchat at this point? I, you know, there's still a controversy about whether you can text a prospect, let alone Snapchat them.
1: Yeah, that's that's very interesting. Um, yeah, it's, and you, you also have to look at where your audience is because, for my kind of my experience dabbling in some of these, might be very different than than a larger B two B type of scenario.
0: Well, do you see Snapchat evolving into the mainstream that way? Mm,
1: I'm not sure. For for folks a little younger than me, they they use Snapchat more than text because it has the text feature, and they're already spending more time in that app. Or so I've been told. So who knows where it's going? And they're introducing all kinds of new things. I think any new social network is exciting for some time before it turns into, I mean, Facebook's a good example of what it can turn into. Eventually, it's, you know, pay to play where the the value of the content notifications has decreased for me personally for Facebook versus, you know, five years ago when I was on Facebook. It used to be much more exciting, people spent more time there. The notifications were more relevant, where Snapchat's new, so it's like when someone sends me a Snapchat, it's going to be a friend, it's going to be stuff I want to see. Where already today, I'm getting Snapchats from strangers that I don't really know what they were talking about, or the notification value has already decreased a little bit on Snapchat. So, I don't know what to say. I think it's <laughs> it, can, it can go both ways, you know. And well, talk about parts- your,
0: your conversation with Gary Vee then. So, how'd you have that conversation? So, were you stringing together Snaps to... To send to him, or how'd you work that? Yeah, I just, I think
1: I sent two or three really short snaps in my office showing a few other people that encouraged me to interview him. I'm saying, Hey, Gary, you said reach out to you on Snapchat. I host a video series. We interview en- top entrepreneurs on networking. And then in the next snap, Snapchat, because of course, for your Time listeners, limit, so, right? Yeah, you only have 10 seconds on Snapchat videos or photos. And then the next snap was, um, you know, here's just a tid, one more value add that for Gary and here's the call to action all in a 20 second selfie video and he liked that and we we talked a little bit there and and um, it's very it's the hard part with Snapchat is you can't track conversions i can't send him a link very easily to click i guess i can send him a link through text on Snapchat right but um, you know i can't really it's it's hard to take it off a of Snapchat we're on Facebook it's very easy to click to go to a website and you know as an advertiser and marketer you can track that so that's you know it's it's very valuable to be able to measure something, but it's also very valuable to be able to, you know, promote your brand at at, at a, in a newer app that doesn't allow you to to do that yet because it's not as diluted. There's not as much competition there.
0: Okay, well, I want to circle back because we sort of digressed from uh, the last point of conversation we were talking about in terms of, of the three signs of of yes, uh, doing yes, bad we do. networking. So, I got to the first one is that you don't do it regularly enough. The other sign, of bad sign, or sign of bad networking, is that you always hang with the same folks. So, you're not talking to new people. So, have any quick ideas here in the last few minutes of the show is is what you can give people in terms of how to meet the new people? Yeah, well, to quickly... To quickly go through that one,
1: of course, if you go to a networking event with friends, it's very tempting to just hang out with them. And even if it's not tempting for you, it might be tempting for them to hang out with you. So I would encourage your listeners, go to a networking event alone. And if it's out of your comfort zone, it's even more important for you to do that. And if you if you find yourself at a conference instead of just a local meetup, go and just stand you know, near near the speaker stage and try to connect with the speaker if that's someone you're trying to connect with. And sometimes it can be awkward standing next to two other people that are having a conversation. But if you try to make a little bit of eye contact, you try to laugh if someone says something funny, you can usually make your way subtly into the conversation. And that's a that's a difficult skill to develop. And I don't think it comes naturally to many people, but it's definitely a really quick shortcut to getting FaceTime with uh, today's top entrepreneurs and yeah, decision makers I mean, and influencers. I agree.
0: So if you're at a conference, somebody you want to speak with, they're a speaker or they're there and they're surrounded by other people, yeah, go hang out. That's that's the best way. And eventually they'll get to you. Uh, and as you said, make contact. Assume that you're somewhat part of the conversation. Chances are that person's fairly <laughs> adept at including newcomers into the conversation themselves. So you want to give them that opportunity to do that. Another tip, last one, that one that I would provide uh, just had uh, Susan Rowan on the show, who's written the million-seller uh, book, you know, how to how to network a room and or how to work a room. And uh, her suggestion, which I think is a great one, is if you're at an event and they're serving food, go hang out near the food line. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a great tip. You're,
0: you'll meet everybody. All right. So, and the third one is you, we've sort of covered this. She said, you know, you don't network online. Again, you know, it's not all about the physical connection. Yeah. You know, sometimes you got to network online. Big time. Use Snapchat. Use the tools that exist. Lots of them exist to do it. All right. So now, last time on the show, I posed some hypothetical uh, scenarios to you as a guest. And the first one is, you've just been hired as a new VP of sales at a company whose sales have stalled out. And the CEO is really anxious to get things turned around in a hurry. So what two things could you do your first week on the job that could have the biggest impact? Wait, I'm sorry. I missed what the company did. S- Can you prompt me again with that? It, it's up to you. You've just been hired by a company whose sales have stalled out. So- oh, sales
1: have stalled out. Okay. Um, well, that's, that's a good one. I think the first thing I'd do is go and connect with other VPs of sales in similar organizations and ask them what's working and what's not. I think the fastest way to the information that you don't have is in the people that you haven't reached out to yet. And then after I connected with those guys, I'd know I'd have a direction on what communities to go connect with and lead my team to connect to and um, identify three communities and go and network uh, in those communities and kind of measure what had the most success. That would be, in my opinion, the fastest way to
0: get sales back up. Okay. All right. Good answer. So now some sort of rapid-fire questions. You can give me one-word answers or elaborate if you wish. The first one is, when you, Matt, are out selling selling your services. So, what's your most powerful sales attribute?
1: I think my the most powerful sales attribute that I've implemented and all of my pets guests have implemented it is paying it forward. Give someone something of value before you make an ask.
0: Okay. Good. Love that. Bob Berg, the go-giver. Um, who's your sales role model? Sales role model? Oh, probably
1: Grant Cardone. How about, how about
0: that guy? <laughs> Grant Cardone. Okay. Um, good answer. So, Next question. What's one book every salesperson should read?
1: I still believe the classic Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It doesn't have the word sales in it, but you do need to have friends and you do need to influence people to
0: make sales. It's a great book. Even though it was written in the 1930s, it is as relevant as ever. I agree. Great choice. All right, last question for you. What's music's on your playlist these days? Um, some... It would be almost techno, but now we've kind of formatted it to
1: the office. So let's go with some low-energy dubstep. Some more subtle dubstep.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so instead of dance house music, you've got uh, office music. Okay. Office dance music. Office dance music, yeah. (laughs) So you have to uh, send me a a Snapchat with you guys uh, breaking out the dance moves. (laughs) Oh, we'll do that. All right, perfect. Well, good. Well, Matt, thanks for being a guest on the show today, and tell folks so they can find out more about you.
1: Yes, so if you're looking for more networking strategies to implement at your next networking event, please, as a token of my appreciation for listening to Accelerate, go to handshaken.com slash free, where that's you can with, download... That's with no G on the end, by the way, right? That's correct. handshaken.com Handshaken. no slash free for my free ebook, Six Networking Strategies for Entrepreneurs. That includes you, salespersons. And um, other, other than that, I'm pretty active on Snapchat and Twitter. My handle is the same thing, handshaking without the G.
0: Excellent. Well, good. Thanks again. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And one easy way to do that is to make this podcast accelerate a part of your daily routine, listen in on your commute, in the gym, or make it part of your morning sales meeting. That way, you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Matt Handshaken Holmes, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your network. So thanks for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.